Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. A star attraction. The one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Miss Judy Gold. Um, I just want to say, welcome to Kill Me Now, everyone. Um, I just had a Kill Me Now moment where I put the microphone, I pulled the microphone and bashed myself in the head. So (laughs) it's really early in the morning and that's how I started my day. So I know it's going to be a fucking shitty day. But you know what? All right. Many new things. First of all, I'm Judy Gold, as you know. Um, Lauren is not here. Uh, Lauren, apparently, I just found out, is puking. Really? Well, yeah, Patrick's here. Good morning, Judy. Yeah, Patrick's the, uh, what, do, what would you call yourself? Producer, operator? Either one of those names works. Okay, Patrick is a doormat, so this is going to work out really well. Um, <laughs> and my guest today, <laughs> I, I have to tell you, you know, like, you know I love all my guests, but I have... I've admired this woman for a really long time, and we both did stand-up at a time when stand-up was the hottest thing in the world. And we both had different trajectories, but I think there was... I mean, I'm I'm just being presumptuous here, but I think there was mutual respect. And, Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, but she's fucking hilarious. She's fucking hot. She's a mom. She's... A photographer. She's she's awesome, ladies and gentlemen. The incredible Felicia Michaels. Oh, thank Woo! you. Wow. That was a good intro, wow. wasn't it? I just want to say, Patrick, you always say I'm the man with the plan. When someone asks you, how right. do you go by? I should have. I'm not that quick. Yeah, Especially obviously, me. you might be my new co-host, Patrick. <laughs> Who Where are you he's from? Not that quick. Yeah, I'm from Jersey. <laughs> me too. Where? Um, currently, I'm up by Wayne. You oh, yeah, Wayne? I know. I know Wayne. Okay, yeah. I'm by and, Wayne. And then, do you like Wayne? Yeah, Wayne's nice. Does he have a big cock? That I don't know. All right. And <laughs> where'd you grow up? Hudson County. Uh-huh. So it's a little different now. Did you go to college? I did go to college. Where? Yes. Seton Hall. Oh, yeah. My friend yeah. went to law school there. Oh, I became okay. a Jew. <laughs> um, well, Patrick, welcome. Thank you. Felicia, yes. I'm so excited. I know. I'm happy I know. To be here. Um, I haven't seen you. Gotta be ten, maybe ten, ten years. Yeah, maybe mid two thousands. I know you so long. I know you spit curl. Oh Gold. my god! What the <laughs> fuck? Well, you know what's funny about the spit curl is that I mean I had it because I was doing a scene in acting class. Uh-huh. You know, and it was in the twenties. And then Michael Patrick King was at the Improv. And he's like, you know, I have that curl. We had, we, uh, we had him on. And he uh-huh. said to me, you know, I have that curl. Because if you had your own variety show in the 60s, you'd come sliding down a spit curl s- singing, it's shooting show. And that was it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you committed to that spit curl. Oh, I, co- I always I admire commi- that. Yeah, yeah, I committed to I've committed to everything. Some good, <laughs> some bad. Um, but Felicia. Yes. I. First of all, your life is fascinating. Oh, thank you. Um, your voice is fascinating. And, you know, it's so funny because I've known you for so long. And uh, we, we actually have the same manager now. Yeah. And Yay for yeah, us. I know. But it's also yay because I feel like he has good taste. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know when you're like, oh, my God, he represents that. What the fuck is wrong with him? But... It's so, there's so much to talk about because your voice is sort of juvenile. And yet. It's lower now, though. Yes, it is. Yeah, thank goodness for all that whiskey and weed. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Do you you, um, still smoke the weed? Every once in a while. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So, um, so, and, and it's so fascinating because you look at, Comedian, female comics, uh-huh. especially today, who are sexy, girly, uh, 
not ashamed of their sexuality. God bless their delicious little hearts. Right. And I, as I said to Rick, our manager, I said, she was the first. You were the first. Um, one of the first. In that era. Right. In that era, yeah. But that era, you know, did you ever read the book Outliers? No. Oh, you got to read it. Yeah. Um, and it talks about all these reasons people are successful. And I feel like now that I'm reading this book, I feel like, you know, we sometimes I think we I mean, I'm happy for everything we accomplished in the 90s and before we had families. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, can you imagine being you then now? Well, God, that was a good sentence. <laughs> You know, it's an interesting thing because I, when I started comedy, I became a regular right out of the gate at the know. comedy store in 1985. Right. And as you know, at that time, uh, that was the time of Kinnison, and that, that was actually right before he hit it big. And you know, how lucky are we? Did you ever get to see Richard Pryor come in? And oh out? my God! How all the time. I used to be got to see that. That I used to be at the store uh, when I moved to L.A. in like the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. I was there the night Kinnison died. Were you there the night Kinnison died? I don't think you were there. I was not. I was there. in the kitchen. No, yeah. Um, it was unbelievable. It was. He amazing. was. Prior was to see these people work out. Now I in in the mid eighties was at Catch a Rising Star watching Seinfeld and right, you know right. Belzer, um, Paula. You know it. You know it was an incredible time. Leifer. You know because. Absolutely. These people, we wrote. We yeah, sat and yeah, wrote all yeah. day. Our fucking li- my life revolved around calling on Tuesday and finding if I had That's any right. spots. Yeah. I would sit by that fucking oh, phone. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. You'd sit by the phone. Oh, are they going to call? Are they going to call? Are they going to call? You know, and sometimes you wouldn't get any spots that week and right. you want to kill yourself and then you realize, oh, so-and-so's in from L.A. or that yeah. one. You know what I mean? yeah. yeah. You, uh, Felicia Michaels, if you're not familiar with her. And you're probably not. (laughs) That's not true. Um, Felicia, uh, very, very successful comic. Uh, American Comedy Award. Um, You were on Full House, Showtime. (laughs) I mean, my kids are. I had a sweet ass little run. Yeah. yeah, And let me tell you something. My son, Henry, who's 19. Um, if he will kill me when I tell the story, but he was obsessed with Full House. And I think it was because, you know, he's been raised by lesbians and those kids were raised by guys. I really right, think right. psychological. Yeah. So um, we were we went to Florida over Christmas because we're Jewish and we were on JetBlue. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, it's it's Henry on the window, Ben in the middle. He's six, four and a half, but he has to sit in the middle because he's younger. And then me. And then my partner, Elisa, was on the aisle because she doesn't fucking want to have anything to do with us. And so <laughs> Ben and I look at Henry. Ben hits me and says, look. And he's got the headphones on, the JetBlue headphones, actually his own. And he's watching Full House and, like, smiling and giggling. And he's like, Mr. I'll beat the shit out of you. Yeah. And we, it's like, he couldn't, I, we can't, I still can't believe it. It's like. It was like the Brady Bunch for me, I guess, or something. Yeah, but the yeah. fact that it was all, all right, and well, so it's probably because he, when he grew up as a young child at that time, it, you guys at the time was considered an alternative lifestyle uh, at the time. So I'm sure he identified with that family being oh, an alternative absolutely. family. Yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting because my family was so dysfunctional, and you know, I had a depressed mother and and just elder elderly parents, really like mm-hmm. older parents, and all I wanted was to run away, you know, to the Partridge family house, to the Brady Bunch. Like, uh, that was my survival. And I, it was so interesting to see. Because now kids, all they do is fucking look at their goddamn... Fu- you know, I, I can't... The fucking... Talk to me. Yeah. Like, you ask yeah. questions 20 fucking times. Answer the fucking question. What? <laughs> um, so, you are an army brat. I'm an army brat. My mother was from Berlin, Germany, and they... Oh, I gotta go. Yeah. Take care. And uh, they she, met when my um, father was uh, stationed in Berlin as a young yes. man in the late 50s. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got married and came over. In fact, my father had to... T- before he uh, was stationed in Berlin, my grandmother... And my father is strong Oklahoma stock. 
And my grandmother... You are so not Jewish. I know. Like yeah, on yeah. so many fucking levels. Yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. Did your uh, mother talk like this? She did, but I never heard her accent because it was my really? mother. Like when my... Mother- if you were Jewish, you would have heard the <laughs> accent. <laughs> I actually said when my mother passed away, I turned to my cousin and said, God, it's so weird that my mother never had an accent. And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> barely understand it because you don't hear it when you're a kid you know now for all the jews listening i have to ask uh-huh. she was in berlin she was in berlin she was born in 1940 and oh, my, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. my uh, grandfather that's what we want to know yeah, what, he, what's he doing my grandfather was 82 years old and on his third wife when my mother was born no fucking yeah, way absolutely and my grandfather so he wasn't was in like Zavor. No, he, he did in not fact serve. died at the hands of Nazis. Okay, he, you are you are righteous. Right, I can yeah. continue talking. Because uh, <laughs> he owned a private school, and all his uh, teachers were Jewish. Uh-huh. And the not and then uh, he had a brother who was also quite elderly, and uh, uh, my mother had cousins and aunts and uncles that uh, actively uh, hid Jews in their houses. And I love were, you. Uh, and my cousins were killed in concentration Oh my God, I am so sorry. That's terrible. And so the Nazis came and took the Jewish teachers and my grandfather was 82 or probably 84 at the time, tried to stop and uh, he was killed. Yeah. That's fascinating. So... How how old your mother was born in nineteen forty? She was born in nineteen forty. And your fa- and your grandfather oh, I'll was I'll tell you this story. Yeah, go. My mother was born in nineteen forty and uh, because my grandfather had a little bit of money because of the private school and a lot of people don't realize this, but uh uh, uh Berlin was kind the. kind of firebombed. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it but wasn't before, like it, it wasn't was... like Dresden. And I asked my mother, right. uh, "What is the first memory you have of being uh, little?" And she said, "I remember my mother uh, carrying me running down the streets and all the buildings being on fire Ugh. and so hot that my eyelashes melted." Oh my that god. That was her first memory. And but they were very fortunate that they got to take a train to go stay in this village. This is how this crazy story. And the village was at the bottom of Eagle's Nest. No. And the so uh, my grandmother, who was very young because she was the third wife, she got a job wa- literally because it was war inflation, washing dishes in the uh, kitchen of the uh, restaurant of the hotel. Right. And then became the manager of the hotel. But it was the hotel where all the officers would stay to oh on my their, God. Yeah, to go uh, as they went up and down or however to go to Eagle's Nest. And uh, I said, ask my aunt, who was 10 years older than my mother, and I said, uh, what was the first time you realized how terrible the Nazis were? And uh, she told me the story about, uh, at, uh, because my grandmother was the manager of the kitchen, mm-hmm. and because those officers stayed at that hotel. And because she understood German. You know, I mean, she could hear their conversations. Right, right. They were all Germans, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that she was sent because the kitchen at that hotel got all the first dibs on all the good food because it was the officers of the Third Reich. Right. And that uh, her mother had sent her into town. It must have been on the outskirts of town to go get bread at the bakery. And when she was walking back with a basket uh, full of bread... uh, she came across a chain gang of Jews, be, and they were doing something on the road work. Right. And the officers, uh, they were being guarded, not by officers, but by regular Jews, uh, Germans uh, in the army. And that one of the Jew- this makes me seriously tear up. Uh, and I recorded my aunt telling this story because it was, I just thought that's what I should do because it was so crazy. Mm-hmm. But she said one of the Jews kind of broke away from the pack and uh, grabbed at the bread because obviously they were starving. Right. And, and the basket fell. And my aunt was probably 13, 14 at the time. And the officer came, shot the Jewish man no. dead, and picked up all the bread, even with the blood on it, put it back because they understood that where this food was going. And she said, that was the moment I understood we were on the wrong side of history. And not only that, I went to uh, the back to the hotel and gave and told my mother the story and my mother slapped my face and said don't ever mention this because the fear I'm not saying it's correct or incorrect but you know when she told me that story it obviously made me 
angry that she had to see that it obviously made me angry that people had to live the Jews go through right. this terrible hideous thing made me so angry as a fucking woman right. that that the women who no matter what side you were on were meant to endure this kind of right. shit at the hands of ignorant and stupid fuck I get really angry about oh, that oh please you know what I mean yes yeah and so she told me that story and then she told me uh, also a story about how after the war uh, there was martial law and that the Germans didn't the civilians didn't want to believe that they backed this government that did right, these right, right. things uh, and and Although a lot of them understood kind of what was going on, a lot of them weren't really in the know. It wasn't right. like today where someone could take a picture with their phone and then third, you know, right, thirty right, minutes right. later, everybody in the world knows what's going on. Obviously, so she said that they, the Americans from all those films you see of those death camps, uh, had to take the films. And one of the things of martial law is they uh, made everybody. They made these makeshift tents where they Mm -hmm. showed these films and everybody had to go see the films Mm -hmm. and how people who were watching the films were crying in agony. The ones that didn't understand what the fuck was really going on. And, uh, and, you know, it's so it's unbelievable because um, my mother, she was born in 1922 and. She was supposed to go to Berlin Jesus, for her. You were the last egg. <laughs> oh, please! And my father was forty-eight when I was born. So, um, wait, your grandfather must eighteen what? I don't know. He was eighty-two when my mother was born in nineteen forty. So that's yeah. uh, forty, and then you have forty-two. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. eighteen fifty-eight. Isn't My crazy? grandparents were born in 1882, 1888, 1892, and 1896. And I say that on stage, and people are like, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is funny about that? Right, right. But it's interesting, because my mother's supposed to go to Berlin, because Berlin was the fucking bomb. I'm not, no pun intended, <laughs> but it was... It was the 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 center of fashion and culture and oh, and yeah, yeah. yeah and she was Berlin in the twenties yes. and early thirties absolutely so she was supposed to go for her sixteenth birthday nineteen thirty eight and sh- they couldn't and um and I just uh, you know I want to go back I want to go I want to see this but I it's so interesting because there were so many people who did know you know who were you know you look absolutely. you go to the concentration you see that they're right there so but there was i mean i think there were people who were ignorant about but, but I, and it, how does your fuck i mean the fact that your mother has to see someone shot you know well, it was my aunt your aunt it was my all aunt, right yeah. same thing yeah <laughs> But, you know, it's an interesting question when you really start thinking about, like I read yesterday that there is was a guard in one of the uh, uh, concentration camps. Oh, that, yeah, now 94. 94 and being uh, 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 put through the whole process yeah. of, of court and all he that. He was a, a guard at Auschwitz. Auschwitz. And then, but, and, and obviously, terrible, terrible. Right. No excuse. Absolutely whatsoever but then when you start thinking you know if you're a 19 year old guy right and you're living in this society right you're taken away from your family to serve right. in in you know the mm-hmm. army or whatever the fuck you were mm-hmm. doing what what would you do at that time you know it's an interesting moral dilemma obviously you and i would you know obviously you but anybody would say you wouldn't be a part of that Right. But there wasn't a pro, you know, a process of sticking your hand up necessarily when you're at the age of 18, 19, 20. No excuse. He should be obviously right. absolutely put on trial. But then it's not like today where people talk about everything. Right. Was right. it spoken about? What, you know, what could you do if you didn't want to participate? Right. What could you do? Obviously, I would like to think I would have got the fuck out of there or I would have done what my forebears would have done and hid Jews in my apartment. Right. Like these guys could have done that, too. I mean, there were plenty of them that didn't do it and that witnessed this and participated in it and didn't run away. And there are so many Jews that did run away. There was an underground. Um, I'm sorry, but 
I'm not saying it as a defense. I can't saying, believe this is a fucking comedy podcast. I know. I know. <laughs> Ones when I don't, don't really talk about. Them. I know. No, that's and, and what I. Don't I don't do. mean yeah. it as like a, a defense of him. I I mean it as God when so many things were not discussed. Right, right, right. And the unlock of being born in a family where you didn't have intellectuals who could have a big fucking discussion right. about what is right and what is wrong. Right, right, right. And you know, it it makes you realize how much we have changed in humanity. Right. You but know? now look at the fucking Trump. Look at these people. They I say, know, th- I know we're I going cannot. backwards, Felicia. Uh, yeah. I would so wait. So, so you're ways. an army brat. I'm an army brat. Sorry. So you're I, no, no, I love it. Digress. So your father was in Berlin, met uh-huh. your mother, met my mother. Where'd they meet? Uh, I think my father was, uh, he's from Oklahoma. So he used to, uh, that's okay. <laughs> get it, Patrick. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, I think they met where he did, was in a little army band like Elvis, but not Elvis. He was a very handsome man. And I think they met at a show that he was doing. You know, they had little side gigs or whatever. And uh, and they met and they got married. And How old were they when they got married? You know, 21. Right, right, right. Can you fucking imagine? I can't even imagine. Like, when I, like, I have cousins who got married at, like, even when, my friends' kids now are yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah, Ew. it's terrible. Yeah, go. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> so they met, and my uh, grandmother on my father's side told him, if you go to Germany, you do not come back with a German wife because people didn't like the Germans, oh, of obviously. Course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hi, I'm Felicia's <laughs> mother, and how is she doing in second grade? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so my uh, father wrote my grandmother and told him that she was pregnant. And then, that is disgusting. I know that he had to marry her. Mm-hmm. And then when they came back to the Can't States. I believe they had premarital sex. I know. My uh, grandmother was like. Where's the baby? <laughs> and they're uh, like that she wasn't pregnant, and so he got in trouble by his mother. But uh, oh, he did it. And, so all right. and my stepmother, also a German. What is with your father? I know. What I know. is wrong with him? He likes a bossy bitch. I guess I can't believe it. He <laughs> yeah. could have someone. Uh, you know, he's a little. Uh, your house must have been so clean. No, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. OCD. Yeah. So. You went from how? What was the longest you stayed in one place as a child? I would have to say uh, maybe two or three years mm-hmm. growing up, um, because uh, now when they uh, they understand uh, uh, in the service that you can't just be uprooting people, right? Every Especially two to three years. the kids. Yeah, the, it's bad for the kids, and so uh, I moved around uh, every two to three years Ugh. and back and forth. And my dad did two tours of Vietnam. Oh and, my God! Uh, we were in Northern California in Stockton at that time. Fun. And, yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, I mean, it was. So, what was it like? It did prepare me for comedy. Oh, please, yeah. I I, I was actually, I had a drink last night with David Feldman, and he was like... What? I was fucking sitting at home. Well, you should have been there. Funniest guy on the planet. Fuck him. I'm gonna, he was on the podcast. <laughs> He's an awesome guy. I love him. And he was like, God, comedy him. for you must have been so hard back in the day. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, I grew up in you know an army brat where we moved yeah. around all the time. So to me, it was normal business. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. I stayed at one place, and every time I'd have to... I mean, I went on the... You and I, we went on the road. Right. There were so many comics who either... There weren't there were that, some many, that many women that did. That said, and I just wanted to be a good comic. It's like when I think of Mitch Hedberg, uh, who you were really close with, I think of he just wanted to be a comic. He you just know? wanted to be a comic. And I yeah. just, I wanted to be a great comic. Nobody wants to be just a fucking comic anymore. It's un, you know, I was, t- Judah was on uh-huh. and he's like, you know, I'm doing stand up and people are stopping me like, oh, what are you working on? He's like, stand up. And he's like, and what else? He's like, stand up. What the fuck? What else do I have to? You know, it's right, unbelievable. Right. It's like you're a loser if you're. All right. So, you, so and what that was has it? shifted? Because before when we did stand up, because I do a lot of photography and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. I know. And, and people would say, or I had a manager who would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't talk about that photography thing. This is back in the day. Yeah. Just talk about your stand up because people are going to think you're not uh, you're serious. Fo- serious yeah, about yeah. your stand up. And now people are like, no, no, don't talk about your stand up. Talk about everything else. Right, you're doing. right, right. <laughs> but it was okay for guys to talk about all the other shit. Oh, I was a lawyer and I did this right, and blah, blah, right. blah. Felicia. Yes, ma'am. Um, I have a sponsor, which is very exciting. That's awesome. So, and I kind of love this sponsor. All right, so, 
All right, you know how important a mattress is. Like, I hate to sound like a fucking commercial. They're super important. But I got to tell you, like, if I'm in a hotel and it has a shitty mattress, I'm done. I'm like, my neck hurt, my back, like, I can't. And then you go home and you're sleeping on a good, it's like. Right, right. You know. I hear you. And um, so this, there's this new company mm-hmm. called Lisa, L E E S A, Lisa, and they're like the Warby Parker of mattresses. Mm-hmm. So you like you order the mattress, and it's only online, and it's they start at five hundred twenty five dollars, which is really wow good, and it's one of those foam ones. Uh-huh. You know the ones that are like. You know, that keep you cool. Like right. my son, Ben, I swear to God, sleeps at the window. It's 19 degrees outside and sweats all the time. So it has like three layers of foam and they it makes you not, you know, a lot of foam mattresses make you sweat. So this one doesn't make you sweat. And it has that like memory foam thing for the body right, country. Right, yeah, I know right, you yeah, like that. Yeah. I know you like that. Anyway, so, and the other great thing is after each 10 mattresses they sell, they donate one. Really? Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Isn't that to plant one million mattresses that wait, we also plant one tree. Oh, they plant one tree for every mattress sold, pledging to plant one million mattresses by two. I love how they write one million mattresses. It's one million trees, you fucking idiots. Anyway, um, (laughs) the Wall Street Journal called them the Uber of mattresses. I mean, they're really good. They're like those, fuck, you know, yeah, 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 no. Anyway, so get this. This is how important I am now. If you go to Lisa.com, L-E-E-S-A, and you use the promo code, code GOLD, G-O, I can't say code GOLD, G-O-L-D, GOLD, because what, what's my last right. name? Right, GOLD. <laughs> <laughs> You're so good at this. I love it. Uh, they will get $75 off. That's pretty damn wow. good. $75, $75 off. off. A tree gets planted and yeah. one gets donated. Yep. Holy it's cow. It's unbelievable. Uh, and it's a great mattress. It's only online. So go to Lisa, L-E-E-S-A dot com. Get a really fucking and you, it, it's delivered to your door in a box. I swear to God. And you I, I have a friend who did this and mm-hmm. you open the box and it and it like comes out and it just blows up like it's wow. amazing. Wow. It's, a, it's And it's a great mattress because I've slept on one um, by myself. So uh, go to Lisa dot com. Plant some trees, help the uh, environment, use the uh, the code GOLD, G-O-L-D, and you'll get $75 off. And sweet dreams, ladies and gentlemen. So um, what was it like when you're a kid and you move and you have to go into the lunchroom as the new kid? Well, because you're in a situation where everybody, because you're going to schools that are, uh, predominantly oh, have okay. military children, so you're in the same boat with everyone else. So it, so even though it was difficult, it wasn't as difficult. And sometimes you you would go to school with someone that you knew in second grade in right. Berlin, Germany, or Munich, and right. then you would see him in eighth grade, right? At you know outside Fort Carson near Colorado Springs, you'd be like, oh yeah, you, you. Oh, so, this is good, Duncan Shane. So yeah. how? How, what is your, who, all right, why can't I, this menopause shit, even though I have my period, Uh I have my period. You do? And I'm 53 years old. Wow. Okay. God, you're fucking bragging. I love it. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, Your oldest friend, the friend you've had for the longest, how many years is that? And how, how, when did you meet? Your oldest, oldest, the person you've known the longest. Well... This is the one thing being a, I'm going to get to that answer, but I'm going to say when you grow up as an army brat, especially back in the day, I don't have a lot of childhood friends. That's what I'm talking about. Right. So I would say my oldest friend was a girl I met in a strip club when I was 18. We're getting to that, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting to that very uh, soon. Comedian Alan Stevens. Oh, yes. Yes. That's amazing. I I wondered who the comedian was. but um, He's my bro, bro. Uh, what are you doing in this strip club? So, you, your father left. My father with your brother uh, took my brother, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, what was that like? He's a guy. He's coming with me, or it pretty much was. Uh, I yeah, it pretty much was. And my mother had a lot of 
uh, mental issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a reason she wanted to get the fuck out of Germany. And there right. was a reason her family was like, you should get the fuck out of Germany. Well, wouldn't you <laughs> have mental issues if you grew up during that time right, period? But she had a lot of, absolutely, right. number one. But number two, she had a lot of uh, a lot of emotional and mental problems. Right. And I, uh, from the age of around 11, 12, uh, it was just my mother and myself. Ugh, and, and you had to uh, take care of her. And I had to take care of my mother. And we were on welfare because my father didn't pay uh, child support. Not that he made a lot of money, but back then men could, you know, yeah, of beat course. the system. And uh, so we, I grew up on welfare from about the age of 11 or probably 12. Mm-hmm. And uh, with a, uh, and then my mother had a massive stroke. Oh my God, yeah. I can't. And was in a wheelchair. Oh my God. And How old had, were you when she had the massive I, stroke? I would say I was around... 14. Oh my God, I can't even believe you can talk. Go. And, uh, but my mother also had uh, uh, Crohn's disease. Oh God. And in that time. You sure she's not Jewish? Yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, in that time, they didn't know exactly in the 70s it was pretty much like Frankenstein how they treated Crohn's disease right. and it didn't help her because she had emotional and uh, mental issues that at that time people were like no it's not a physical thing you're bringing that on by being crazy so the oh, responsibility every, oh. of the disease was so laid on her and it didn't help and her here you are yeah. you're a teenage girl trying to take yeah. care of a sick woman and your father knew she had a stroke and all that right he did, yes. Yeah. But he was stationed then in uh, back in Germany. So, so your brother had a completely different upbringing Pre- than you. A, a completely different upbringing that I did. My brother also had a lot of uh, problems too, uh-huh. uh, emotional and uh, mental, and right. I, genetically, I think, given to him, uh, of course, by my mother. Not given, but you know, sadly. So you sort of, unquote, unquote are kind of the lucky one. You know what? Uh, because my brother passed when... Uh, oh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he, quite a while ago. And the amount of guilt that you have, A, when your co-witness in life right. feels over, but B... Uh, the guilt of why, survivor guilt. Yeah, why did he have all these issues and I didn't? Re, you know, and I'm mentally pretty sound. Right. You know, and and just realizing that as a young kid, you know, because uh, it was, I, I would say it was pretty apparent when he was younger that he had problems. Right. And I don't think my dad really understood, and he took the wrong one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but when he, uh, when he, he took me uh he told my mother i'm gonna you know i think he left me because he felt someone needed he had to leave her someone so she and you were probably he probably knew instinctively you were the strong one and quite honestly my mother was uh, a black sheep in the family on her side and all uh quite honestly uh they her family was done with her because to them she married an american and she betrayed the fatherland. The fatherland. The fatherland. You know. So. Oh my God. So they were this like, "You're story. on your own, girly girl." Yeah. Oh. So we we were absolutely left alone, and uh, my mother was very suicidal and. Uh, tried to kill herself uh, many times. I remember coming home from school and she'd be all passed out with pills all oh over the place. Oh my god, you poor thing. No, I don't, you know what? I I that's the this is that's the hardest thing about sharing a story of yourself when you grow up in poverty, when you grow yes, up with an yes, ill parent yes. is the look in people's eyes, like the fucking look you have now of complete empathy, which is great that you have that ability to feel empathy for other people's pain. But that's the most uncomfortable about unburdening right, yourself. Right, because you are a survivor and you right. look at it, you've processed the whole thing. Right, I right. do that. I feel that, too. Yeah. I mean, look, I wasn't on welfare. I, you know, your story is so intense. But, it, you know, the feelings... You know, my feeling of getting up every single morning, going to school Mm -hmm. and being called Bigfoot and Sasquatch every five fucking minutes that I can't walk down the hallway, that kids are pushing me again, you know, that, you know, it's... Now yeah, I'm being having that hu- look for you. Well, like, oh, I'm so sorry. And that's that. me. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. no, 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 it's fine. Right. But, you know, that humili- that every day humiliation of, 
you know, it, the feeling is as intense. The situation is different. And I don't want anyone to feel sorry for right. me. Uh, I, um, I can't say that I felt humiliated as a child right. because of that, but I can't. Right, no, that, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, it yeah. is. But for you, yeah, 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 for you, because that was, uh, must have been terrible. But I, I can say that then people didn't see you. They just saw your circumstance. Right, they right. They didn't see you. And uh, it got to the point where I, I can be very callous person sometimes, and uh, that's why comedy is so wonderful for yes. me. Yes. Uh, but... Uh, where I remember coming home after several attempts that my mother would try to do and judging like, you know what, I I think I can finish my math homework before I call the ambulance. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> mind of a child. You right, know what I mean? Right, like, right. I, got, I got a test tomorrow. Right. I got to get on this math it's homework. It's so amazing yeah. that you were into school, you know? Right. Well, because I didn't have to be home then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, my God. That... And I love my mother with everything in my heart. Of course. So, but but uh, being able to talk about this. Oh, and, and by the way, the first time in my life, I'm actually able to talk about it. Right. You know, because I kept it hidden for so long. Right, you know, right. When people saw me because I'm blonde haired, blue eyed, they'd be like, oh, you must have been a cheerleader in high school. Oh, I know. Right, 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 and, right, right. And I got a lot of shit because people would presume that about me right. or assume that about me. And uh, so not true. Right. Yeah. It's so funny. You know, because everyone does have a story. You don't know what... That's why your one-person show that you're working on is going to be so fucking amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, you, Because what you see is not what you get. Right. And that's the same, I think, with most comedians. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Um, But every once in a while, you see what you get. I know. And then you're like, this one's a hack. But... uh, (laughs) True that. So, you you were a good student. You know what? I... uh, I was not an A student. I was a solid B student. But All right, I had a but a lot look. of stuff going on. And really? Also, yeah. Also, at that time with Crohn's disease, my mother had, a, a, I bet by the time I was 14, probably 20 operations I all over her all. body uh, for other things, too, as well as Crohn's. And she had an ileostomy. Mm-hmm. And it was so archaic. Right. And, and at that time, and she called it George. <laughs> I'm talking about this. George, George, her little, her little guy. <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. And the hardest. I'm surprised it wasn't like you know Frederick. Yeah, I know. you know. <laughs> and uh, that is so funny that I told you, that. George. George. She, I don't know why she called it George. We never knew anyone right. named George, but she called it George. And uh, uh, because, especially when she became handicapped, uh, the way that they had the process of how the bag went on it and I know for some people this is untasteful right but the the process of how it was actually adhered to one uh, was so archaic right and uh, it would burst because your body at, you know at that when you have an ileostomy mm-hmm. uh, it's it, it's basically kicking out uh, your uh, acid in your stomach right. and your digestive digest- right. juices so it's very you know it eats away at everything right and, and so her uh, George would bust because you would have this piece of plastic that you would literally have to friggin glue to your side. Now they have adhesive, whatever, but it was pretty serious glue and you would have to put things, uh, it would be like glue and then powder and then this weird like foamy plastic stuff. You know what reminds me of that stuff is like, you know, when you, uh, buy the stuff to put in your bra and make your boobs stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those inserts that's yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. squishy. It's yes, like, it was yes, like yes. that. Not so, that I've ever used them. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, but, stop looking at my tits. Go ahead. <laughs> so you would, it would all be, it was all this chemical reaction where it would all glue together and it would go onto your body, but right. then the body juices would eat at it. And so the hardest part physically for me at the time, and by the way, my, my mother, God bless her soul, the the fact that she was like a fucking physical experiment right. for doctors, it makes me so angry. Right. But as a child, it was my job, because she couldn't help herself, to clean it all up. Oh, my God. And the hardest part, and, and by the way, I, I, of course, had, you know, obviously I make jokes about right. how I was pretty callous about certain things. Right. Uh, but other things, you know, when your parent is suffering, you don't care. You right. don't help your parent. But it was my job, too. I had to take, like, uh, this stuff and try to get all the chemical off the hard piece of 
of plastic right. that was actually fit, fitted uh, fit over George, and and I would have to stay with hot hot water and scrub for like sometimes up to two hours no. where my fingers would actually be bloody oh, trying God, to because you had to clean it all off in order for the adhesive to work again. So uh, uh, I don't know why I'm digressing that to this, but it was so... very hard for my mother. It was very hard, very hard. And as a kid, to be able to realize it's hard for her and not a narcissist you're not like some narcissistic like it's all about me is right right, it's pretty amazing so um who did the gross did you do the grocery shopping everything was there any home health aid any kind of was for a small period because we were on welfare there were a couple programs here and there but they would always be cut or put away i think we had a home health aid maybe once for uh, two years, but that meant someone came in once a week right. to just check up, and, right. you know. Did your mother ever yell, uh, Felicia, George is full! She, uh, yes. George is full! Yeah. It was not I good. thought that, that was yeah. funny, George yeah. is full. Yeah. Fuck you, Patrick. <laughs> um, all right, so you graduate high school. I graduated high school, and uh, I... Uh, Actually, my when my mother had a stroke at the age, I think I was 14, yes. things got really bad. Right. And she was, my father, I believe, was in Germany at the mm-hmm. time. And she, uh, I mean, when I, you know, it was not, it was really terrible. And we were living outside of Colorado Springs that time. And she had to go to a rehab facility after they had stabilized her. And, uh, oh, I talk about this in my one-woman show. My mother had a ring that was my grandmother's ring. Mm -hmm. And so whenever money was tight, which was always, Mm -hmm. all the time, she would always pawn that one ring. And then she would save up for a year and get it out and re-pawn it. But I was the one that, 12 years old from the time of 12, go to the pawn shop and pawn a ring. And uh, uh, she got really had the stroke and I had it in front of me because I she had not been feeling well and was at the hospital and I had to go to get money for the electrical bill and to get that fucking ring that I needed to pawn to pay the electrical bill and she stroked out in front of me no yeah and it was at the hospital I I cannot take anymore go but this is why I have a problem when telling this story too is because at the time you know when you're a kid like that it kind of it affects you, but it bounces from you because you're, you know, it's all you're about Brazilian. you. Yeah, yeah, you know. So uh, I remember there was probably like five to seven doctors in the room at the time. And when it happened, uh, uh, the, there was a nurse. They all fled the room because they knew what was going on. And, and, uh, uh, they, and they couldn't look me in the eye. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I have a problem with that. When right. people can't look me in the eye, that is a big issue for me. And, right. and I, as I was writing my one-woman show, I was like, fuck, that comes from when this was going down. Right. That they couldn't tell me. Right. Because I was a child. Right. That, and they couldn't bear to look at me. Mm-hmm. That it made them so terribly sad. And I understand that. And mm-hmm. I have empathy for that. And uh, But as the nurse pulled me from the room, uh, I pulled the ring off her finger. And all I thought thought about is it, like thank god i'll get to the pawn shop right before it closes so i can pay the electric bill and then she was shipped after that to a rehab facility in denver and she was gone for about eight months where were you home alone I was home alone home at alone. 14 at 14 yeah which you know it in is, a trailer or no, in a house in, uh uh uh, a housing complex where the majority of it was uh people army. on welfare or oh. army people yeah Wait, so you're alone? I was alone, yeah. At 14? At 14. And the state had no idea? Uh, the sta- Every once in a while, a social worker would knock on the door, but I'd hide under the bed and stuff. Because I, and I'm so glad I did that, uh, because I didn't have to face the horrors that a lot of children in foster care homes, right, right, right. especially back in the day, faced. And there are great, wonderful But were you homes. sad? Were you, like, depressed and sad and... I can't say that... Jealous of other kids who had both parents at home or... No, I can't say that. Wow. I really can't say that. You're When you're in that, it was more about just survive to the next And what about day. your teachers? Uh, you know what? That... 
was something that was always very quiet, mm-hmm. never spoken about really at school. Never. So and, they and we lived. You have to understand, we lived in the uh, in a smallish town outside a bigger city, mm-hmm. but in a part of town where my friends weren't even allowed to go. You know what wow. I mean? Like what mother it was like, of a yeah. 14, 15 year old is like, no, you go to that side of town right, where all right, those right. GIs are doing drugs right. and the welfare people live. You know what oh I mean? Oh my God. You're it, such a survivor. I am. I am. You should go on Survivor. I should go on. <laughs> or The Amazing Race. Yeah, I bet you'd right? be good on The Amazing Race. I probably would. Um, wow. Living yeah. alone at four. And you knew you had the druthers to get up. Make yourself breakfast, make yourself oh, yeah. lunch. Go to school, go to go school. Sh- buy yeah. groceries. Well, and, at, and school meant eating because they had programs where right. I could uh, eat. And, and did you stay at school as long as possible? I what st- if you needed like a permission slip? Just sign it, yeah. It was, and back, you know, those days was different than right. it is now where, you know, we're going to text your parents and right, call, right, right. you know, both parents and everyone's yeah. on an email chain. You right. know what I mean? Those days were just Oh like, my God. You could just forge letters. I was, you know, yeah, Felicia right. was, Felicia was very sick. A community means more than the street you live on or where your home is on a map. It's the relationships, not the location that matter most. You may have noticed your community has changed. Old friends have moved away, you don't know any of your new neighbors, or you just don't feel quite as comfortable as you used to. The Good Samaritan Society can help. Our senior living communities offer more than a place to live. They offer a place where you can feel at home again. Housing options that fit your needs, a staff that genuinely cares, and neighbors you can call friends. Our mission is helping those we serve feel loved, valued, and at peace. Let us prove it to you so you can get back to enjoying your community and everything that comes with it. To learn more about the Good Samaritan Society, call 855-GOOD-SAM or visit good-sam.com today. That's 855-GOOD-SAM or good-sam.com. So you then become a stripper. Well, what happened Come was... Come on, guys. How fascinating is this? Uh, how old were you? Were you 17? I was had just turned 18. Just turned 18. And what happened at that time was uh, my mother was in and out of the hospital. Wait, did your mother go to your high school graduation? No. Did uh, anyone go? No. I'll get to that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> because I want to yeah. uh, be able to color yes, it in yes, as yes, much yes, as possible. Yes, 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 uh, yes. Is... Uh, you know, because this is a big part of the one woman show. Yeah. Uh, there are so many uh, uh, children that help their handicapped and are caregivers to right. handicapped, whether emotionally, mentally, or physically, right, right, right. parents. And uh, the amount of pressure on me at that time, because when your parent becomes handicapped, when you're at that age, right, it is one of the hardest things to, to watch. watch because it's your parent that you love. It's a hard thing to share. Right. But when people ha- like have a stroke, emotionally they change. Right, of you course. Know? And they're going their brain this, changes. Their yeah. brain changes. And so I became the parent to my mother. Right. And that was really hard because, I, like you said, I was cooking, I was doing everything. Right. And... Uh, I had lived on my own for, I think, eight or nine months. So when she came home, there was this fantasy for her that I would go back into the child position. Right, right, right. When it was, A, I'm still, I'm taking care of you. Right. And B, you know, now I'm 15, almost 16, and fuck you. you right, exactly. I mean, you know? Like, so, I was yeah. having a good time here, and now right. you've, you know, sort of disrupted my life. And when someone becomes handicapped, they go through, not everybody, but my experience with my mother was they rely and lean on you so heavily, it blocks them from helping themselves sometimes. Right. And it would literally be like if something was within five inches of her reach, she would call me from my room, mm-hmm. I would have to go give it to her. Right. It got to the point See, that was where she, when... she was trying to, uh, passive-aggressively trying to, A, help herself, but control me in a right. sense. And, and that, 
that's when the texting could have come in handy. That's when, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I had went, because this is all leading up to this, I had went with uh, one of my first little boyfriends to go see uh, a Santana in Pueblo, Colorado. Oh, yeah, Santana. baby! Santana! <laughs> yeah. And uh, I had spent the night uh, and had come early in the next morning, and uh, she had a... Uh, uh, God, what do they call it when you ha- when you urinate in a bag too? So now she had not only oh, uh, George, um, uh, she had uh, a catheter. She had a catheter. God damn it! Come uh, on, Patrick, that was good. You didn't know what the fuck it was. Go ahead. And she had bed sores. I mean, she was very right, incapacitated. Right. And uh, and so I came home uh, and I walked into her room and there was blood all over. Oh her God! Bed, right. I can't. And but this was a big moment in my right. life because. Uh, it was my understanding at that point in my life. You know, some people uh, dig a hole so big for themselves they mm-hmm. can't get out of. Right. And if you're standing on the edge, you are a very dangerous position to slip right. in with them. Right. And uh, and I called. God, you're smart. Go. And she said to me, because the phone was right by her head. I'm like, Mom, why didn't you call, you know, an ambulance? And she said, I just wanted you to see that you can never leave me like your father did. Oh my God! And I thought it couldn't get worse. is gone, gone here. It just keeps getting worse yeah. and worse, and I'm never complaining about my childhood again. And at that point, it was I called the uh, ambulance and I ran away from home. And I eventually called my father, and he had been uh, stationed and was living back in California. He mm-hmm. had gotten out of the army. He was living back in California. How old are you? You're 15? I was... 16? I think 16 at uh-huh. that time. And I went, uh, uh, lived with my father outside of Los Angeles, and I did a continuation school. I stopped all contact with my mother because at that time I recognized this is not okay. This is not okay. And I'm not servicing her by being at her beck and call. Right. It's not good for either of you. I got to get the fuck out of here. Did you feel guilty? Absolutely. Oh, my God. I can't even fucking imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, then she And your father? just took you in of course he did yeah of course he did and did yeah. you ever call him during this period and say dad you gotta fucking help that is when i called him and said you I, waited I, uh, until that waited point until, because uh i felt so guilt-ridden about leaving my mother you know what right. I mean? of course i, I, I would assume now and now i have a great relationship with my father we right. went through a lot but right. we have such a solid relationship and at that time you know i i felt like everyone had turned her back their back on her her right. parent her mother right of course saying, her family you know, yeah you know you you, mar- you left married the f- an american right. and you got out of here so and then uh alvader zane alvader zane and uh and then when I went to stay with my father, I went to a continuation school. Right. So I literally graduated high school. I think I was a junior then within four months because you could work at your own pace. Right. So I was like, I'm fucking going to buckle down. Me and all these <laughs> people right. who are in continuation school right. because they're doing drugs and shoplifting. Right, right, right. But I was like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Right. And I actually... Uh, graduated high school, but you know, when there was no graduation because you worked at your own place. Right. I got my degree and I went back to Colorado because my mother came back out of another rehab. So ha- you were gone for how long? Probably maybe four to five months. And at that time, you had no contact with her? I had no contact. And then at the end, I started talking t- uh, and to did- a lot of my friends who uh, still were friendly with her. Right. And I knew she was back home. And it in turn, it actually was a good thing because she did say to me, no, I needed to learn how to take care of myself. Wow. And so when I came back, our relationship was different. E- it was different. Evolved. Even though I was still the yeah. parent, it was different. But when I came back. Wait, did your father at any point during that four months say, I'm going to go check up or I'm going to call the hospital or the rehab or no, I'm. I re- no, he did not. Okay. And about a year ago, I said to my father. Uh, why did you even marry my mother? Mm-hmm. And he said to me, she could just be a hell of a fun ride until she wasn't, you know, and, and she had a lot of mental issues. Right. I have 
memories of my mother. Uh, she had like what that uh, Sybil kind of stuff. Like, right, right, right. Wow. She was very dissociative where I wasn't talking to my mother. Right. You know, I have many memories of that. Right. And so now as an adult, I can see... I can see it from his point of view. Right. Like sometimes you got to fucking save yourself. Right. But you have a fucking kid. Well, sometimes, you know what? But you're a mother I am now. A mother. I have a mother now. No, yeah. you, you are a mother. I, have a, I am a mother. You yes. are a yeah, mother yeah. now. And there's so many times in my life where I think back. I mean, none of it is anything like your upbringing. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. But, pain is pain. Right. And... I just, you look at your kids, like when I think of parents who've left their kids, like I, 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 no way, you would never leave your kids. I would never leave my kid, but also, I mean, look, here is a guy from Oklahoma. Right. No education. Had to go in the army because he shoplifted and they were like, jail or army. Goes in the army. Meets uh, my mother had an amazing IQ. She had like a genius IQ. Well, hello, look at you. But, well, that's very kind. But so she, he meets this beautiful, you know. Do you know what your hair. IQ is? Uh, it's not that like my mother. My mother had an amazing IQ, and uh, so mine is just average. So <laughs> yeah, that's what you but, think. You have to stop at eleven fifty. No, I did my call in. Uh, I love you. Yeah, yeah. All right, good. Uh, so uh, I look at it from my father's point of view. I mean, she was uh, beautiful, funny, funny. I get that from her. Right, right, right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's so too bad they did not have the medicine they have now. You know exactly, what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. It would have been a whole yeah, different. All right. Yeah. So, so when I asked him that. You know, why did you marry my mom? And he told me, you know, because she could be a fellow, uh, hell of a fun ride until she wasn't. It it was a great moment between my father and me because I understood that. I understood because he who was he going to talk to about right, it? Right, right, right. I had right. a crazy wife at home. Who fucking wanted to right, hear that right. in 1967 or right. 1974? No right. one wanted to hear that shit. Right. You know, and so, I, in fact, I remember when I was living in New York about... 15 years or so ago, the fr- I never spoke about how I grew up. I didn't right. even tell my husband. He right. knew a little bit about the stripping. But I told that story to one of my girlfriends about my mother in bed with the blood. And she was like, your fucking mother, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, no, no. Let's have this understanding. Right. When, when someone becomes handicapped, I can say having gone through that experience seeing my mother and how she handled it, not great, but she had a lot of problems. Right. I still, to this day, can't say if that happened to me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't act, act that like way. Because you don't know right, until right. you're fucking in the right. know. I you know. know I mean? Like, my mother just passed at, in J- June. but So sorry. Thank you. The end, the last, you know, she could not walk, and she had, um, and it started, actually, you know, my father died in 1990, so it started a couple of years before this, um, where she would lose her balance, or they'd be walking down the street, and then she'd start walking in circles, or wow. she would wow. start um, slurring her speech, mm-hmm. and they never knew what it was. I mean, I, we took her everywhere, and you know, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, from having a sick mother, that. Right. Women are hysterical. Oh, it's nothing. You're hysterical. And, you know, finally, there was, they found that she had a, apparently, maybe from a fever when she was a kid, her cerebellum was atrophying very slowly. Wow. Um, but I cannot tell you how many doctors I took her to. And I, I remember this, the one thing I remember, and I think it's because, I mean, come on, you're so sensitive. When you're a comic, you're just. Hypersensitive. Hypersensitive. Yeah. yeah. I remember, and my brother and sister are very, they're not emotional. They're not, you know, they're just. They put a lid on it. They do to, to, and I think kind of too much, but that's just my opinion. But I remember (laughs) the one day when I looked in her eyes and I saw the fear. The yeah. fear. And yeah. that was the hardest thing where I, you know, because you want your parent to be your savior, to be the person who, you know, Absolutely. is on a pedestal. You know, 
And I remember realizing her hysteria, her constant, you know, her depression, whatever, you know, the way, you know, it took me till, I guess, in my 40s or late 30s to look in her eye and say, no, it wasn't that she was upset with me or this. She was afraid. And yes. the seeing fear in your parents' eyes yeah. is, yes. it's an, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and that's how you forgive. I mean, you're such a forgiving person. I'm a pretty forgiving yeah. person. And, and to almost to my detriment, where I will give someone a million chances because I always try to walk in someone's shoes. It's right. probably how just luck of the draw I'm built, you know? Right. You know, but... Probably also from the experience that I have, like right. yeah, that person might be a dick, but let's take into consideration. Right, I do this, that this, too. This and this, but sometimes to the point where you know I give it a little bit too much. Now I'm like, you know what? Now that I've hit fifty, yeah, I'm like, all right, I've worked so much shit out. Yeah. If you're over fifty and still talking about, you know. It's like, come on. That's how I feel too. Yeah. Especially when you have kids. When like, right. as soon as, and I had kids uh, later on in life. It's like as soon as you have kids, then it's like, nope, cut and dry. Yeah, you're sorry, crazy. you can't be around my kids. Right, done. So you're a stripper. So when I came back to Colorado to be with my mother, I had graduated high school, and I think at that I might have was turned 18 maybe mm-hmm. my timeline's a little goofy on that mm-hmm. but because my mother lived in housing that was paid for by the government and i wasn't in college i mean i was just lucky to get out of high school right uh i was we were told that she would lose her housing if right. i lived with her right so there i was barely 18 uh lived in a t- we had no car mm-hmm. lived in a town that was 20 miles to 25 miles outside of a city uh-huh. there were no jobs right. there was no bus service mm-hmm. to the city mm-hmm. and uh and i got married mm-hmm. uh, to a young gi and oh yes oh my god Hard to believe, just like all the women I would say in that 90% town. of the girls that i grew up with wait so wait was it cute he was, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. he was fine. Yeah. Was he smart? And you know, he's GI. You know, I yeah. mean, I can't say he wasn't. Right. I absolutely can't say he wasn't. Were you attracted to him? I I was attracted to the idea of I wouldn't live on the streets. Right, you know, right, 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 right. You know what I mean? But do you think but, he and, loved you? And it was in an era. Of course, I think uh, he loved. Of course, and I think I did love him too. Yeah. Right. I mean, but you're 18. Right. What you do don't. You I know, know exactly. Right. Go. So we were. Uh, we got married, and then he became violent. You know, he's. I think he was 19, 20. Right. And the second time that uh, he hit me, I was like, I, I am not going to get pregnant and be in that situation. Right. And uh, I answered an ad and went and uh, went and did a wet t-shirt night at the. Uh, Peppermint Lounge in Colorado Springs, the Colorado. Peppermint Lounge. And by the way, I have to tell you, when I was 12 years old and a kind neighbor would take my mother and me to the welfare office or whatever, we would drive by the Peppermint Lounge. Always fascinated by the Peppermint really? Lounge. Yeah, like I was old school tween, you know? Yeah. I, mean? like- I used to have a joke in my act about um, if you ever want to piss your mother off, uh, when you're driving in the car with her, stop in front of the local strip joint and say, oh, can you just wait here? i got to run in and get my check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So what, he didn't. He, he was violent, but you didn't get. Did you get really beat up? He hit me twice. And the second time he hit me. I mean, you know. Wait, the first time was like, oh, my God, I'm dying. Yeah, yeah, dying, that whole thing. Yeah. And, but then the dying. second time was like, yeah, this is. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. And uh, so. And I, then you got divorced, right? I got divorced. Yeah. But uh, did you have to see him again? I saw him. I think when I moved to L.A. years later, I saw he had a lot of problems, too, in life. So. Right. And I wish. God, you were, you're yeah. so like, oh, he had a lot of problems. Well, All right. everyone has a lot of I problems, know. you know. OK, so you're stripping so, and you must meet. I mean. You're probably making a shitload of money. Well, I did the contest, and I remember uh, <laughs> that I took my top off. Mm-hmm. And Did uh, you feel weird? 
like no, when you know, first took your home? Because my mother was German, right? And uh, you know, she they had, she was very European in right. the sex. Oh, was, right. So the, 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 the savior of the my tits, mother yeah. was that sex in those days. Sex was very shameful. She was never like that. Right. 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 Sex was never. We had very. My mother could talk about anything. We had very open right. conversations about it. So sex wasn't a shameful thing. Right. With my mother and and that she had wonderful parts about her and that was a really mm-hmm. great thing that I loved about my mother. So I didn't care. You know? Right, right. But I do remember uh, I got boobies later in life, so they were pretty freshy. Right. Like all my girlfriends got boobies when they were 14. I right. got them like 17 and a half. Right, right. And it was like they were pretty delicious. I'm not going to lie. Uh, my ass not uh, so You much. know, they're still <laughs> not bad at all as well, a lesbian. You know, push, up. I, yeah. <laughs> push up bra. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, I remember I was doing the contest. And I uh, uh, chose my song, uh, ACDC's Highway to Hell, because I figure if you're going to do it, right. just you fucking know, do have it, a yeah. theme song, right. go it all the way. And this a man came up to me and he threw money and it uh, uh, he made it rain and right. it felt like it was raining love. I swear to God, right. I was doing that whole like 80s, right, you know, right, right, Springsteen, right. Courtney Cox dance. Right. And I literally was like, oh, I have found my right. calling. Like right. It was like, I am in, sold. And uh, and so I did that. And, uh, and I mean, and, you, you couldn't have been a waitress. So. All right. So you go. I was. I did find a job as a, uh, a hostess at a restaurant. Oh. It was after I had stripped. Right. And uh, uh, they fired me because I had been a stripper. So. Oh, fuck them. Yeah. yeah so. You know, guys can go fuck prostitutes and do whatever the fuck they want. All right. It's not hold against. It's not held against their soul. Right. So you're a stripper. I bet you've met, you met the most incredible people at, at, you know, strippers with uh, unbelievable stories. No. Yeah. And it was different then because I, that was probably 1982 or so. Uh, Number one, the first night I did stripping, I met a stand up comedian. That's how I became a comedian. So he was... He was just in the audience. As a patron? As a patron. And he came up to me and asked me... That's disgusting! uh, Yeah. uh, And that's how I got into comedy. So let me just... So you take off... you, You didn't feel shamed or like a, an object or I, you have to understand I, at that point in life especially in that era mm-hmm. uh, I had no power right and when I took my top off you had and power. I looked down and I saw the desire in men's right. eyes that was fucking intoxicating right and that's why when people are always like ah strippers and you know you're so held down right. in life and yeah there are absolutely those stories but for my story it was 100% I see my path now right. I won't starve I won't right, ever right. be held it was down like by everything's going to be okay I got it was it. a complete relief that was part 1 of kill me now with Judy Gold featuring Felicia Michaels please tune in next week for part 2 also with Felicia Michaels. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thanks for throwing us a good rating on iTunes, reviewing us, telling your friends about us, posting on your social medias and whatnots. If you like a show, it all really, really helps out. Supporting our sponsors, thank you for listening in general. And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. Hello.